Welcome to Your Grit Story Podcast, where we chat with founders, leaders, and changemakers to learn about their journey to make the future a reality. I'm Eric, your friendly host. Follow us on where you are tuning in or find us on any social media channels to catch highlights and snippets of our episodes. Let's be inspired by the stories while you create your grit story. All right, all right. We are back on your Grid Story podcast and we are on the investor series uh, to learn together on investing insights, especially on what startups should look out for when looking for funding. And today, I am super excited to have Jeremy on the show with us. Hi, Jeremy. Welcome to the show. Hey, really excited to be here. Awesome, awesome. Super, super, super a joy to have you join us today. So Jeremy is, is definitely no stranger to the startup scene, right? Not only is a founder that turned investor, he's a dad of two beautiful girls and he started the Brave Southeast Asia Tech Podcast. And I'm super, super inspired by what he's doing. There's lots more to share about Jeremy, but I want to just take a pause here and have Jeremy share more about him with us. So let's kick off with this question. How would you share about what you do to your kids? How <laughs> would I share about what I do? <laughs> I would say, wow, this is something that's right on hotspot here. What I would say is, hey kids, everything that is around you right now was built by a business. And that business was built by, in the early days, by a founder, an entrepreneur that made a decision to build this business, you know, 30 years ago. So, you know, your Barbie dolls. Your IKEA furniture, all of this was all founded by people who made a decision to build a business many, many years ago, right? And as part of that early part of the business, people had to believe in them and give them capital uh, to help them start the business. Dad is in a business now of venture capital, which is that I am looking to fund, support, and advise companies who are starting out today to build the future that you and your kids will be living 30 years down the future. That's it, yeah. Great starting point here. I think like what's around us, literally, physically, it's all started from business, right? Starting from investments, right? Started from a, an entrepreneur, a company, small or big, right? They build products for us to use, for our kids to use. And something that I'm very inspired as well, together with many other followers of your podcast, um, Brief Southeast Asia Tech Podcast, that you started more than two years ago, I believe. Uh, run us through a little bit. How do you get started? Yeah, so you know, I think for me, my personal story was that you know, obviously grew up in Singapore, Army, um, UC Berkeley, Bain consultant across Southeast Asia and China. Then after that, built my first company, which was a consultancy for the social sector. And then after that, uh, went to Harvard to do my do my MBA. And after that, built a second company, Education Tech, grew that out across pre-seed, seed, Series A, and sale. And then was a GM there for a year before coming back to Southeast Asia from Boston, New York. And when I came back, what I realized was that I couldn't find a podcast that I really wanted to listen to. <laughs> so at that point of time in 2020, you know, I had been listening to podcasts for many years. I've been listening to audiobooks. And of course, it's great, right? You're listening to How I Built This. You're listening to Tim Ferriss. You know, you're listening to Jason Calacanis. You know, so all these are all techies in Silicon Valley. And that makes sense when you're building in Boston and New York, right? You're trying to understand what's going on, the zeitgeist and so, so forth. And my favorite podcast at the time, of course, was this great podcast called Reboot by Jerry Colonna. So it is a coaching company that works a lot with founders and talks about some of the struggles that founders face. And like I said, I came back to Southeast Asia and didn't exist, right? And, you know, it's super obvious, especially when you're at home with nothing else to do, right? So mm. I, I don't remember 2020 was pandemic, yeah. right? It was like a terrible time. And so, you know, I was just be looking to talk to people or listen. And, you know, there's nothing about Southeast Asia. There's nothing, I mean, there's a lot about Southeast Asia history. I think there's a lot about Southeast Asian expatriates, but at that point of time, there are actually very few podcasts about Singapore, Southeast Asia, Philippines, Malaysia, Vietnam, and I think very little from also from an expert perspective, right? So what I meant by that is, you know, there was like kind of like these news bites that would be there, but not much deep, you know, I would call it commentary or expert point of view. And so I think really kind of like stuck, right? And there I was at home, it's just like, you know, not feeling it. And also realizing that my Overcast app was full of episodes from the US, which was suddenly looking very American all of a sudden, right? You know? mm. And I was like, okay, you know, I don't, like, who should I know in Southeast Asia? Who's great? Who's inspiring? Who's scared? Who's honest? Right? Like all these questions. And so I just said, you know what? 
I'm at home. <laughs> Let me just try this podcasting, right? And like I said, I was at home, right? And so pandemic hobby, some people did baking bread. Uh, some people meant to ferment kombucha. And for me, I made my own podcast because I couldn't find a podcast I wanted to consume, right? And so I remember my first episode was very kind. I interviewed my first co-founder, Kwok Chan. We founded Kajang Consulting together uh, over 10 years ago. And it was just a fun conversation. It was just two buddies just yeah. chit-chatting about like, hey, JC, you know, what's your life? And what do you think? And da, da, da. And, you know, I kind of go back to the old episode I listen to sometimes and I'm just like, wow. I was like so raw, so amateur, <laughs> so clueless, right? But I was just like bored at home, right? Just recording with my best friend, my dog, yeah. and my best man at a wedding. So it was just fun, right? And then I think the first 20 to 50 episodes were actually all just friends, right? It was just buddies just catching up during the pandemic. You know, my first episodes were all like, uh, my old university professor that I enjoyed a course mm -hmm. on that we stayed in touch with, right? My old college roommates, right? My housemate, you know, my founder friends. So you look at this the first 50 is very much like, it's really the Jeremy and Friends show. But, <laughs> you know, and I always remember, I think I was looking at this old Instagram post. It was like, wow, it was like, you know, a hundred people listened to my first few episodes. And I was like amazed, right? Because, you know, you're at home and my mm -hmm. wife is like, Jeremy, I don't want to listen to you anymore. I'm stuck with you <laughs> and you're stuck with me <laughs> during the pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not talk for a while because <laughs> we're stuck at home, right? So, <laughs> so that's how we start the podcast, right? It's just, that's what happens when an extrovert marries an introvert. That's the problem. <laughs> the extrovert has to go and burn off the energy somewhere else. Yeah. Opposite attracts, isn't it? <laughs> Opposite attract, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, I like it that you mentioned, you know, like the first 50 is really Jeremy and Friends. That's how we got started. Let's anchor on the name, right? Brave. All right, so why why Brave? Yeah, I mean, actually, our first name was actually Brave Dynamics, and it was just Brave and Dynamics. I was like, I don't know. I, just, I was like, oh, you know, this is about dynamics, about movements. Mm -hmm. And then I was just like, I don't know. That was nice. and had a domain. Is it from Boston Dynamics? Dynamics. Like, oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like Boston Dynamics. Actually, there's, I think there's a great show. I don't know. It's called Fringe. And they also have like this like huge corporation, which is like this like, anyway, startup that becomes huge, mm -hmm. you know. Of course, there's a secret conspiracy and plot, of course, but I think that was like general dynamics, if I'm not wrong. Uh, anyway, but you know, I just thought it was a nice uh, name. And at that point of time, of course, all my friends were all around the world. And, you know, so it's just, you know, it's more general. And then at some point, you know, I sat down and I was just like, wait a moment, like, where am I finding energy from? Who am I talking to? Who am I most enjoying the conversations with? And I realized it's like, yeah, it's Southeast Asia, right? It's not the US, mm -hmm. not just general leadership reflections, but you know, I like Southeast Asia, I like tech. I think some of that inspiration, but also conversation debate I actually had with some friends, with some advisors. And so, yeah, that's how we landed on, you know, kind of like being a little bit more clear, right? So Brave Southeast Asia and then tech, right? And so, and of course, I think in the podcast, obviously they have terrible SEO, terrible search, <laughs> right? So, you know, you just had to type it out, Brave Southeast Asia, you know. Literally. I mean, you get, at least you type in Southeast Asia. Of course, what I realized now is that I've watched, I tell people, it's like, hey, type in Brave Southeast Asian. Turns out nobody can spell Southeast. Like, because you put S-E, so people write yeah. South Space East. And because search is so bad that if you type South Space East Asia, yeah. my podcast doesn't show up. Anyway, <laughs> all I'm just trying to say here is a little bit is, I think there's like this overall piece, which was like energy level was like, okay, you know, I think like I like Southeast Asia, et cetera. Mm -hmm. But then also at some point, there's a technical piece, which is naming it Brave alone, which is I think the core of it, wouldn't have been able to encompass what people wanted. Mm -hmm. And at the deepest level, yeah, I think it was me about bravery, right? I mean, I think that's the virtue I aspire to most, right? And what I mean by that is, you know, someone was telling me, he's like, oh, Jeremy, you know, you put the Brave podcast because you're very brave, right? Then I was like, no, 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 no. The Brave podcast is I want to feel brave, right? You know, so, so I'm in search of that bravery and I'm in search of those bravery moments that people talk about in those conversations. Mm -hmm. And I don't pretend to be a paragon. I don't pretend to be a representation of this virtue. I'm just trying to get that, right? I need that dose, right? So people are like, like, oh, like, what do you mean by that? I'm like, yeah, because, you know, it's like, the reason why I'm trying to ask people about their bravery moments because I want to feel braver hearing their story twice a week you know i'm the the first patient in line for this medicine right you know yeah, which is true you know i need a little bit of that dose of encouragement and motivation you know twice a week right yeah and so i think that's how i think the the words i think brave southeast asia tech kind of came together from a you can call it from a history perspective from a technical perspective but also from a virtue perspective 
but a misconception from listeners is that oh wow okay so brave or even like your great story podcast is, is for us to feel like for us to be sure that we are brave or we are very gritty right but actually we are learning from guests like, i'm learning from you as well right how you share your stories and your journey as well and it's probably a good segue as a founder right i believe you have spoken to founders a lot and as a founder like yourself could you share with our audience more about starting up like the consultancy firm that you mentioned just now and, and what do you learn the most right in, in your startup journey yeah i mean i think you know i built two companies along the way and you know i take a step back and i think one thing i do think about is like you know companies are hard right you know and building companies is hard. And what I mean by that is, I think, obviously, you know, when I give that description of how I would explain that, you know, everything around us was once built by a founder. But there's a lot of survivorship bias, right? Because, you know, the Apple laptop I'm using, the Dell camera that I'm using, the Rollcaster, you know, my, I mean, all these were all built by founders, by early entrepreneurs. But, but there's a lot of survivorship bias in the sense that a lot of companies that didn't make it are not represented, right? And so there's a very interesting dynamic where I think we can look back in time. It's like, wow, all these companies kind of like went through all these struggles, all these dynamics, all this conflict and all this company building. And then we look at today and it was just like, okay, you know, now we have all these founders are building it. And yeah, I think my personal reflection is that it's really, 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 really hard. And I think it's really hard to appreciate how hard it is until you're like, I think you're a founder yourself, that's one. Or you're like a really good friend with a founder who's willing to be honest with you about it. Or if you're maybe an early, early, early employee, maybe part of the first five employees, maybe. But I think that's really, I think a lot of, I think you get a lot of flack, honestly, right? Because, you know, yeah. the truth is when you're building something new, I always tell people, it's like, nobody wants the future, right? If you're in the present and we're all in the present and the today, the world to stay the same. <laughs> like we want things to stay the same. And what I mean by that is, you know, there are people who already have salaries, there are people who have economic structures are built around the present. To build a future actually disrupts the present, right? It actually changes and obstructs the present set of players. And so for people who want to build that future, actually, you know, there's a lot of fighting the status quo. There's a lot of fighting just, you know, inertia. But also there are a lot of people who are just not fans of this change, right? And as a result, I think for founders is a nonstop, I don't know, conversation about how to change life, what they're trying to represent, what their values, and what they're trying to build, right? And also mm. executing against that belief and all of it is super duper duper hard. And I think that's what I've learned about building companies. Mm. Let's just let's double click on, on the word hard, right? Yeah. Just share with us the, perhaps the lowest point, right? In, in your startup journey and how do you overcome it? I, I think there was this um, moment and, you know, I just had raised capital round and everything was done. I was supposed to feel happy in the sense that we had posted an announcement. Obviously, you know, everybody was like saying congratulations, well done, so so forth, and you know, all that stuff. And I was just at home in my you know, classic, you know, Singaporean, Asian, like, you know, singlet and my boxes, right? You know, with my, you know, like the basketball shorts. And I was just like, oh, you know, by myself, you know, uh, you know, at the time my I guess uh, my girlfriend was a long distance relationship. Now she's my wife. So I was just all alone and I just felt terrible. I felt empty, right? Because I was just like, you know, you're getting all this praise, but you're just like, you know how much more work you have to do and so, so forth. And then I was just like, oh man, like I'm supposed to be feeling happy, but I just feel exhausted after closing this fundraising round and hitting the milestones. And now we have another sprint that we have to do. And then um, I remember I just kind of like messaged uh, my neighbor, Jonathan Ng. At a time, I think a few years behind in terms of his founder journey as well for his second company as well. Uh, we both in Boston. Uh, he's also Singaporean. I just say, hey, can I hang out? And he's like, yo, what's up? And I was like, yeah, I need somebody to celebrate with, right? <laughs> and then he's like, uh, pretty late, but okay, sure, you know. <laughs> and then I went over, I invited myself over. <laughs> and then uh, I hung out with him, right? Ordered some sushi and just hung out with him too as a mini celebration for myself, right? In that sense, right? Mm. And what I mean by that is just that, yeah, it's it's a very lonely journey, right? Because, mm. you know, at the end of the day, of course, you have your co-founders, you have employees, you have your VCs that you're working with. But yeah, you know, it's just managing your own psychology is really, really hard because, you know, you have millions of dollars, you know, and it's really hard to build a business, right? And mm. there are very few people who truly empathize with what you're going through. 
So yeah, that was a low point, uh, but you know, I figured out how to do it, right? We just basically, you know, crawl to my neighbor's door and say, hey, I need a friend. (laughs) 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 I need a comrade, you know, I need a peer to like, you know, commiserate slash celebrate with, right? And I thought it was a, and he always likes to remember and recount and, you know, laugh about that moment, right? Because it's just like, yeah, you know, (laughs) he's like, you know, years down the road, he's like, yeah, I just closed my round. I feel exactly like you, right? Because, you know. You know, how do I celebrate this actually, right? Um, because it's not easy. Is it is capital to build the next phase of the company? It's not a celebration in many ways. Yeah. 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 Thanks for sharing. Thanks for being transparent. Just to connect the dots as well, like as you grow the company, your personal life grew as well, in a way, right? You got married, you have two kids. How do you manage that? Uh, it was not easy, to be honest. Um, I mean, I think, you know, I think the truth of the matter is. For me, when I started dating my now wife, but you know, we had known each other for many years. I think we met each other in you know junior college. I was the male class monitor; she was the female class monitor. So, you know, we kind of knew each other. I guess we want to call it professionally. I guess that's cool. And so by then, I think we reconnected years afterwards, right? When we were both volunteering together after uni, after army, you know, after starting work. Um, so we reconnected. But I think for me, I think one of the big issues that I had to go through was. I had to go through a lot of self-work, to be honest. And what I meant by that was that, you know, let's just say like, you know, I had gone through a personal loss of a loved one, uh, you know, a, a romantic partner. And so after she had passed away, you know, I've been grieving for many years. And so after that, I was just kind of like a, a hot mess, honestly, right? I mean, I was great at work and very focused on work as a result, but I think I was just a not an available or emotionally available relationship partner, right? And obviously you and I both know now, I guess we're both married with kids now. It's like, you know, I think there's a very male, I don't know what's the word, archetype or <laughs> confinement or norms, which is like, actually compartmentalization is good, right? You know, I would, you know, working is very good. So I used to tell people, it's like, I remember I would say stuff like, you know, yeah, we're like, yeah, you know, relationships are temporal. Your CV is forever, right? You know? <laughs> <laughs> And now I look at myself like, what, a, what was I smoking back then? Right? <laughs> <You know? laughs> so I was just like, ah, anyway. So the point I'm trying to say here a little bit was like, okay, you know, like I, so I had to go through that, you know, self-work, right? I had to go through like, you know, I went to like Vipassana, you know, science meditation for 10 days. I think about a relationship. I had to do all kinds of like self-work, you know, read all these like relationship books and stuff like that, right? Um, and basically, I think just doing some of that self-work to just be like, hey, you know, what are the priorities in life, right? Um, and I'm not going to say again, I, I want to say this, I'm not a paragon of virtue in, like, I don't know, domestic life. I'm like, I'm going to be mean, I can be sarcastic. <laughs> I don't want to do this at home. I mean, like you know, marriage is not easy, right? I mean, it's not easy. So I'm not going to f- pretend to be a perfect husband or perfect father yeah. or whatever it is. Let's be real, uh, right? Let's be yeah. super real, right? Yeah. So a lot of mistakes made. I think out of all your mistakes you can make, I think not being able to communicate is probably like mm. the biggest one. And I think that's why I had to learn because I was like, yeah, you know, obviously I think you're a consultant, okay, this, you know. but then you become a founder, you're high stress, right? Mm. Then you suddenly a long distance relationship and then suddenly you're like on different parts of the world, right? In a 12 time, our time zone difference for LDR, right? You know, nobody wants to wow. do those, right? And then suddenly, you know, and after that you have a pandemic and you both suck each other a lot, you know? Then after that, you get your kids. Like all this stuff is like super hard. And I think communication is the most important. And as of, you know, my current age, as of today, I think things are good. You know, check back in <laughs> in 10 years if I still like, you know, hold my beer, I got this, right? You know, but check back in in 10 years whether this still is working. But you know, I'm trying, right? I'm trying, I'm still trying, right? Um, and I think that's a good part. And I, I know I was just, you know, lunch was in a bit of a bad mood, you know, over today, I was just like, just doing some work and whatever. And then my wife came over and she just kissed me on the lips and she's hit it out for her lunch. And I was just like, oh, that's so sweet, right? You know, and mm. I think those are the small moments, right? That that you have to really appreciate while you have it. It's like celebrating little success. We we, we do enjoy these small moments as well. That that really helps a lot, you know, in, in a long way, right? Um, and, and thanks for being 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 transparent and thanks for sharing a personal story. And you're gonna write a note, right? In terms of communication, it's really key. Let's be real. It's not easy, right? Like I'm a dad of two, married for like, say, eight, nine years. And, and just for context for listeners, right? So, you're, Jeremy, your kid is one and three, two girls, 
throughout these past three, four years, uh, it's expanded from a family of two to a family of four, right? <laughs> and managing that with your investments, startups, and two surprising. Cats. And two cats. <laughs> okay, six. <laughs> Fair enough. I warned my wife already. I said, why are we getting cats? And she's like, to help us prepare and see if we can have kids. And I'm like, if we have kids, <laughs> we're going to have to handle the kids and the cats, right? And then she's like, no, no, this is going to help us prepare for the kids. I'm like, okay, like anyway. And so now it has come true, right? Which is now we're going to take care of two kids and two cats. Funny question. So what is the target? How many kids? <laughs> what? How many kids are you, are you, are you targeting? Like, you know, We're targeting. Are you, is this like what? The, the Singapore, like, you know, population know. requirement. <laughs> You're like trying to boost it. Do you know, I, I got, I was featured in Straits Times while having a kid during the pandemic year. Because, you know, I think in Singapore, Straits Times was like, we are so desperate for children. We need to make heroes of people, you know, who have kids. And so Congrats. I was like, times like, it's like, look at this Singaporean couple. They have kids. And I'm like. <laughs> featured, right? You're featured. I mean, it makes it sound so nice, right? I mean, you know, if I, was, I mean, that's a terrible year to have kids. I mean, we found out like at the start of the pandemic in like April, May, you know, I mean, mm. just like, you know, the world is falling apart and so many people just flat out died, right? And it's just so terrible. And then we find out that pregnant of kids and then we're just like talking to the doctor as if like, hey, is the world ending, right? Like, you know, like, because you know, at the time there was no vaccine on the side, you know, you don't know how long it's going to go for. It was just a crazy time, right? And we were just like a bit too tender hearted or, you know, we did, you know, we had a lot of difficult conversations. I mean, we had, honestly, we had fights about it, right? You know, we, we branded as passionate conversations about, yeah, you know. Alignments. No, yeah, alignment and so, so far, right? And then, you know, and also, yeah, home. So it's not as if you can go home and, you know, storm off and, you know, walk around the park or whatever it is, right? You just have to be at home, right? I think two is pretty good, but if we have more, why not, right? You know, so I'm open to it. Yeah. Open to negotiation. And I think we're, and I think <laughs> nice. this time around, we know what kids are. The okay. world's a better place. We know our careers. So it's, I think it's an easier conversation now for sure, 100%. Looking forward, looking forward. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll uh, definitely need more <laughs> population growth in Singapore. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool, cool, cool. Let's let's shift gears a little bit, right? Let's shift gears to investing. So, so tell us a bit more about your your investment principles. I know you enjoy investing, also with Monk, uh, Monkey Ventures. So, so what are the common traits or what do you look for in companies that you invest in, or even founders, maybe? I think that when you appreciate how hard companies are to build, then what you realize is that the founders who are going to make it are even harder. Um, and what I mean by that is, you know, not necessarily harder in the sense of like, you know, some sort of like macho, whatever BS, right? But, but you know, they got to have the perseverance. They got to have the intelligence, right? They got to have the growth mindset, right? Uh, and they have the ability to rally, right? And that's not necessarily a salesperson. It's not necessarily a business person. It's not necessarily an engineer. It could be any of them or some combination of whatever it is. But I think those are the attributes that are really, really, really key. And one analogy I often share is like when people are like, oh, you know, like that's super obvious, Jeremy. Shouldn't you always look for, you know, in any job that you hire for, whether you're a product manager or an engineer or a consultant, don't you want those four things? Don't you want perseverance? Don't you want intelligence? Yeah. Don't you want a growth mindset? But yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but it's the bar that you're selecting for, right? Does it make sense? So first of all, mm. if you have decided to be an engineer, you're already self-selected because most people don't even self-select to do it. I always tell people it's like, most people self-select out, right? It's like most people don't even bother, for example, bothering trying to apply to be a doctor because they know they're not going to cut it, right? And that's okay. Mm. Like if you don't want to cut it, then don't bother doing it. I mean, because the far worse scenario is like you're a doctor and you realize you want to do something else in your life, right? <laughs> Which is actually quite a few friends of mine. Is, uh, my friends are like, I'm doctors and I, I'm a doctor and I hate it, right? You know, and I'm just like, whoa, that's way worse than, because yeah. I used to think like the worst part was like you being a loser whose grades aren't good enough to be a doctor, for example, yeah. myself, you know, like, you know, I was like, oh snap, like, you know, I think I would be not very happy as a doctor, right, in retrospect. But anyway, the point I'm trying to say here is like, there's a self-selection process when you choose to be a founder, but even within founders, there are thousands and thousands of founders, right? In Southeast Asia, there's over 10,000 founders, right? Who are self-identified as a founder on LinkedIn and so, so forth, right? But how many of them are actually going to get funded, right? By venture capitalists? Maybe less than 100, right? Uh, say about a year, right? So I think there's something to be a bit thoughtful about, right? Is that that pyramid of work is not just founder, it's not just good founders selecting great for great founders, right? It's 
the self-selection, the whole mm. kind of like funnel in that sense. Mm. And so I think investors, and I think this is a bit less obvious when I was a founder, but investors are kind of like capital allocators, but they're also in some ways actually gatekeepers. I think that's a bit more obvious. So, you know, you always want to kind of hammer the gatekeeper for capital, right? And get a connection access. But they are also in some ways kind of like some kind of like filtering mechanism, right? You can call it a judging uh, dynamic as well. So you can have see that in startup pitch competitions, but there's also a filter dynamic, right? And so it's a bit of a sorting mechanism. It's the invisible hand of market economics where people are incentivized and trained uh, and structured to look for the best founders, right? And so to some extent, you know, this is actually similar, I think, from my perspective, like scouting for the Olympics or scouting for mm. a soccer football team, right? Which is, I think there's a big difference between being, a, for example, secondary school sports teacher, which is your goal is to teach everybody, right? I'm just saying example, to be fit, right? Versus on the other end of the scale, you have like special forces, right? You know, in that sense, right? Which is that you have to look for people who self-select for that. And you, from that pool, you have to select for that. And then even for those who are selected, you still have to train them, onboard them, orient them, and work with them for many, many years before they actually become that, you know, super operator you're looking for, right? And this is more of a military analogy, but this also applies for all of your superstar athletes, right? You know? And I think that's really, I think, the tricky part of the language of this conversation. Everybody's like, oh, you know, you go to a Olympic, you know, running coach, right? And you're like, hey, what what kind of runner are you looking for? And then the guy's like, oh, runs long, runs fast, <laughs> yeah, growth really. mindset, hardworking and practice. Then everyone's going to be like, oh, but every secondary school kid has it, right? I mean, so, yeah. or in some proportion of it, but it's that the relative to the field, right? In that sense, but also the objective level of that, right? And I think that's very, very hard. And I think that's where I think there's also, when I was a founder, I think I was very frustrated with VCs who were not able to articulate the differences of those two mindsets. Because, I mean, if you meet an Olympics coach, you're like, oh, duh, like, you know, Jeremy can, <laughs> I'm still working my 2.4 kilometer run trying to pass my <laughs> this year's test, right? Because my cardio is bad, right? VO2 max is low, right? Apple Watch is like, <laughs> boo, below average, okay? So I know if I go to the Olympics coach, I'll be like, oh, I know I'm not going to make the team, right? You know what I mean? Mm. Like, but I'll be like, oh, I'm happy to hang out with you. But I'm not okay. gonna. I'm not gonna make the team, right? 100. I know that. Whereas if I go to a secondary school coach, I'll be like, "Oh, yo, you're a personal trainer." Yeah, you know, like. And so I think there's that dynamic, right? Which is, I think, you know, you don't want a secondary school so sports coach to act like an Olympic athlete. Then he's like a total terrible asshole, right? You know, because this mm. guy's like, "Hey, why are you trying to be so hard on a whole bunch of people who are just trying to learn basic sports, right, or get to the next level, right?" So that's the. Yeah incubation, you can call it. That's the, you know, knowledge sharing. I think, you know, everyone wants to do that, right? But then I think the judging side, right? That's a very hard aspect on both ends because the truth is nobody likes to be judged, right? I hated all these pitch competitions and I hated pitching and fundraising. I've gotten better at it over time now, right? Because I've been on both sides of the table. I've pitched to hundreds of VCs and I've now seen thousands of founders, right? So I'm kind of getting better over and over again through those reps. But still, the truth is, do I go home or do I want to be judged by my wife? No, right? You know? <laughs> you know? Do I want to go on an app and get judged by people? No, nobody wants, everybody, I mean, of course, everybody wants to be judged positively. Yeah. Everybody wants a star. Nobody wants a ding, right? You know what I mean? You know? One question came to my mind. So founders or ideas? The truth is, you want both, right? You know, you want a great founder with great product market fit. And again, like I said, out of thousands of founders, only about 100 founders will get funded in Southeast Asia every year, right? Mm -hmm. So the truth is, the market is actually only looking for one quadrant. There's not enough dots. <laughs> Does it make sense? Yeah. For the other two quadrants that you're talking about, which is bad founder with a good idea or, you know, good founder with a bad idea, right? Mm -hmm. Actually, if I'll add a third axis, that axis is a 3D, you know. Yeah, Z-axis. So, yeah, yeah, so yeah. Z-axis, right? It would yeah. be the accuracy of the judgment by capital markets or the people who are kind of like understanding this, right? So what mm. I mean by that is the truth is investors are human too. They also can be bandwagon. They can mm. have biases. They can understand or the technology can change or the markets can change, right? And so things can change. And so there's this accuracy dynamic, right? And so I think in the short term, I think we see lots of great founders with bad ideas and then they end yeah. up raising a lot of money and then they seem to like implode or fall out of the sky. 
And yeah, you know, I think the truth of the matter is like, yeah, it's not that, well, some of it is like, maybe it wasn't fixed early enough. Some of it was because they were doing a good job and then it kind of fell off the band, the, the right track, whatever it was. But I think there is that dynamic, right? Where there's, again, we talked about it, right? There's this judge function. But the truth is it actually, the ones that actually go through multiple rounds of funding who are eventually able to exit, right? They jump through so many hurdles that eventually, you know, the truth is, you know, even if you raise out of the hundreds of people that we said, you know, that raise capital in Southeast Asia, in the US, if you raise seed capital, only one in 40 would become a unicorn, right? You know mm. what I mean? The so, yeah. and it's a funnel, right? So I'm just saying like, even if you raise a million dollars of capital, there's only a one in 40 chance to become that unicorn, right? And so you look at Southeast Asia, I mean, I want to say, I want to go out on a limb here. I think Southeast Asia ecosystem is harder than the US ecosystem. Let's be super mm. real. Like everybody's walking around trying to say like, oh, it's super easy, there's so much opportunity. I'm like, no, it's harder, right? Markets are more fragmented, capital markets are more shallow, right? Uh, talent pools are more diffuse um, yeah. and disjointed. So it's not to say there aren't opportunities, but we have to acknowledge that it's harder in some ways. It's easier in some ways because of the opportunities that, but it's also harder in other ways. So it's definitely not easier than America. I don't think anybody thinks it's easier in America, that's for sure. And I think the numbers statistically has shown that it is harder mm. than America right now, as of today. It could be easier maybe in 10 years or 20 years, who knows. But what I'm trying to say here a little bit is think about it. Even after you receive your first check, there's a one in 40 chance, right? Does it make sense? So the yeah. truth is the market is pruning over and over again, right? Over and over, pruning, 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 pruning to the point that, yeah, you know, so, 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 I don't know. I think for me, I remember I was like discussing this, right? Mm. And I was discussing this with uh, two groups of people, right? And I was, talk well, I was talking to a group of students and then the students were like, wow, a one in 40 chance. And then all of them were like, wow, that's terrible. Like, you know, because it's, you know, if you think about it, one in 40 is about the same as roulette, right? You know, roulette is about 37 or 38 you yeah. know, numbers on a wheel. Yeah, well, so, yeah. you know, you can say roulette is a bit more time efficient, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, you know, you just put one number, you put, you know, a million dollars in your savings and you go, right? But so I think the students were like, wow, this is really terrible. This is tough. Like, yeah. I'm going to go back to banking and consulting, <laughs> you know? Ooh. And then I talked to a group of founders and the founders were like, oh, one in 40 is pretty good. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, that's not bad. It's like a 2.5% chance of becoming a millionaire or a billionaire. Yeah. Like, yeah, I can take that chance. I'm still young. I still have the energy. You know, the worst that can happen is I go back to a corporate job, right? And so I'm talking about these statistics, but also the mindset of that, right? Is really interesting, right? And so I think that's what I think folks have to be thoughtful about, about the staging of that risk, but also your mindset around that risk. Something you just mentioned is quite interesting that founders have to be optimistic. I mean, founders have to be have growth mindset. Founders have to be optimistic because it's it's hard, right? It's it's hard to start and run and, and get a funding. It's not it's it's just another milestone to keep growing. Hiring is is so another probably an episode for itself, right? Hiring the right people, right? Yeah. So as 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 we wrap wrap up this episode, right, and a question around a hot topic. I'm definitely not politics at this point of time, but generative AI. Right, so mm. so it's, it's coming out really, really, really strong, right? And and tell us more about you know uh, what are you looking around this area? Are you looking for opportunities in this area? And and any other new verticals you are looking into as well? Yeah, I mean, I think the truth of the matter is that you know what is generative AI, right? It's autocomplete. It's language, right? It's probabilistic language. And what I mean by that is that the hype is like, oh, you know, generative AI, you know, I don't know, versus what? Consumption AI? Learning? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Like, I don't know, like, you know, cons consumption In humans the is the true opposite, I guess, of generative AI. That's me at home <laughs> watching YouTube. That's like, I'm a consumption human, you know? <laughs> Revolt of the consumption humans against generative AI. But, you know, but what I mean with that is like, all these advances were there, right? You know, technology, the language models, et cetera. So, but I think what's really interesting is that we have done so much huge advances and you look at, the top 50 most valuable companies, right? So many of them are, are semiconductor companies, including Apple and mm. obviously the you know computer companies like Microsoft, which is effectively a hardware and software mix. So, so many of them technology companies, right? So they've been working on this, I don't know, was a technology ladder for, for years, decades, right? And so I think what's interesting, I think it's hard to kind of take a step back sometimes a little bit is this, right? Is I think the reason why generative AI has taken over the zeitgeist is because humans are coded for language, right? And what I mean by that is you and I are talking right now. And the only reason why you and I think we're intelligent is because we are talking words in the language we both understand each other. And that's it. But 
for all I know, I mean, <laughs> Eric, you could be a bot already. <laughs> <laughs> Right, and I'm just gonna say this, right? It's like dolphins and elephants are known to be as, as intelligent as us in many ways, mm. but we don't look at them as like peers uh, because we're just like, eh, you don't speak English. <laughs> I was like, yeah, you know, right? And you know, and then even today, you walk around, it's like, oh, you have an accent. Oh, it's a lower class accent, whatever it is. Oh, you're less intelligent than I am because I have a British accent. I mean, you know, I was yeah. watching The Crown and I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> well, it's just like, I feel like so like, wow, you know, like everyone's so like prom and posh. And I was like, oh my God, I, just, I need to like unwind this, you know. I need Deception, to say, right? where's the hockey yeah. end? You know, I need to like be proud, you know. <laughs> anyway, but I'm just saying like, but what I'm just saying, language is how humans communicate one another. Otherwise we just, yeah. because honestly, we only know our own thoughts and, we have generalized that language to communicate with each other. And so actually, I think generative AI is actually, what's really interesting is that it's not necessarily about the compute power though it's happening, right? It's not just about how they're applying statistics to make that language, right? But it's the fact that basically they're able to emulate language. And mm. therefore, we as humans finally have the last step to believe that AI is human. That is the crazy part. People, I think people are just thinking too hard about this production side. No, 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 no. Hey. What has happened is that we are now in the earlier stages of society now believing. I'm gonna tell you this. Humans are gonna believe computers are more human than we think elephants are human. And that's hilarious because a human definitely has the neurons and everything that's going on for intelligence Everybody knows it, right? But, but I'm going to tell you right now, and it's already happening. I mean, I was talking about a podcast at www.bravesea.com on our past episodes. It was just talking about like, you know, assisted stuff like, okay, you know, you can have ancestral spirits, come back, talk from the dead. And I'm like, now it's already happening, right? I talked about how models is no longer a job because you can just auto-complete good looking yeah. people, right? It's already yeah. happening. We were seeing that, Apple's releasing on a public beta, right? Which is they can just emulate your voice, right? Characters.ai has basically millions of characters, right? And basically people are falling in love, starting to raise children there. It's just like humans, we just want language. We just want to not feel alone because for us, all of us are scared of being alone. And oh my gosh, language is that hack. Because that's why, you know, I work in Starbucks, right? because people are walking and talking around me. I'm a social animal, right? I want that to people. I, that's why I'm married, I have kids. We're all social animals, right? We want to belong. We don't mm. want to not belong. And you know what's the worst part of humans is? Is the worst part of humans is that they can say you don't belong. <laughs> Mm. And it happens all the time, right? I can walk into, I'm just giving an example, right? I don't really watch Star Trek. I watch Orville and, mm. you know, kind of like watch a bit of Star Trek, but not a real Star Trek. If I watch Star Trek conference, con, I'll be like, after a while, everyone's like, you don't belong. You're not a true, you're a Trekkie, right? You know, mm. you know, I'm a more, a bit more Star Wars, right? I'm giving an example, right? You know, I can walk, you know, I, I don't know, walk to Argentina and everyone's going to be like, you don't belong, right? Does it make sense? Yeah. Because I'm not Argentinian. I mean, obviously I can belong other ways, right? I mean, I can belong in terms of faith. I can belong maybe the, you know, Asians uh, with people who have heritage there. I can maybe belong in the sense of being an expatriate in Argentina. I can maybe belong in the sense of business and tech and VC. But I mean, obviously these tribes that we can have, but my gosh, internet is great at building tribes. Reddit is yeah, an awesome thread. Every subreddit, oh my gosh, every time I go to subreddit, I feel like being embraced by the internet. You know, I go to Reddit, I'm like, <laughs> oh yes r slash Singapore, yes, all my <laughs> memes are there, all my news, all my comments, oh my God, it was so funny. I'm like, oh great, I feel so, I feel belonging in that subreddit, right? That's true. And obviously I have my collection of subreddits, right? You know, yeah. r slash Singapore, r slash productivity, r slash venture capital, right? Okay, this, these are my interests, right? But language, oh my gosh, these characters, is AI, generative AI, it's not generative AI, it's not, it's belonging. Is language belonging, that security blanket, right? That weighted blanket of language, right? 100% personalization. It's gonna yeah, be right. amazing. Oh my gosh, like I'm waiting for the next Pokemon to happen. Like, is this gonna be based on generative AI? It's gonna be the world's best Pikachu that actually can respond emotionally to in life and so forth. I'm just saying like, 
this is language. You know, I think people are just like taking a step back a little bit and everyone's just very focused about business case, right? But it's yeah. really, I think the societal case is the biggest change. And I think this is, I always tell people, it's like, you know, the birth control pill was invented by a Catholic, right? You know, and, you know, I think he had good reasons and so, so forth. And I think a lot of people when the birth control pill was like, oh, you know, all the economic people, it's like, now people can work longer and defer pregnancy and so, so forth. But it catalyzed a social change, a tremendous societal change, right? In terms of women in the workforce, in terms of our stories and dynamics around family planning, around abortion, you know, around children, right? It's just a huge amount of variation just because of this small invention, right? You know, on the birth control pill, right? I think this was what's happening for generative AI. I think there is obviously an economic case that I'm excited about, obviously, right? We can automate agents, we can, you know, draft loyal contracts, you know, this, all this other stuff, you know? Just think about that world, right? Yeah. There's a startup that was, you know, we were talking to and he was basically saying like, I want to launch a million podcasts. And I was like, what? And he was like, yeah, every podcast will have one subscriber and that one subscriber pays $10 a month, right? And I was just like, yeah, that works, <laughs> you know? like, <laughs> And it's how you make $100 million of revenue as a podcast network is, you know, if, I mean, you think about it, it's, you know, it's not impossible, right? I mean, you know, why we want to call it, but yeah, why not? Yeah. But then what does it mean to you and me, right? I mean, as I'm yeah. saying, right? And, you know, sure. sorry to say this, we're a bit too edgy for a lot of people already in this conversation. We're too niche for other people, Right? Because we were talking about Singapore and this other stuff and tech and so, so forth. So yeah. the truth is, you and I are actually very awkward humans in the grand scheme of things. We're weirdos. You know, I'm a weirdo. You're a weirdo. We're, talking, we're two weirdos who are bonding over podcasting and tech and so, so forth. Yeah. And yeah, maybe some other weirdos will discover us, whatever. But you know what? Hmm. In 10 years, you don't going to discover this weirdo. You know, you're just going to have this perfect person just hanging out with you who's just like 100% hmm. there. Personalized. Right? Personalized, personalized, right? yeah. Your personal best friend, your bestest, best, bestie, right? Yeah. And yeah. I think it's it's not even a question in my head. It's like the societal change. I think Generation Alpha, everybody's best friend is going to be AI. Like, yeah, I know what I mean. Yeah, it's, I think it's like equally exciting yet and also scary at the same time. Yeah. Right? I mean, to think about it, it's like a robot, right? It's like, is that a show iRobot or something, right? Like like robots taking over humans and, and even like robots being like living together with humans is, is really, I don't know, like 10, like even 20, 30 years later, maybe like that happened. But this is exciting, but yeah. it's so scary at the same time. Yeah. But I believe there's a lot of valid use cases to, to really pick it back in using um, JI. Yeah, I mean, look at us, you know, compared to our parents or grandparents with heretics, right? You know, we're talking to each other over the internet and stuff in person, like real humans do, right? Real men do, for example. We're supposed to handshake and drink coffee and get a beer and all these other stuff that is the normal social interaction. Now, we're weirdos compared to them. So I think, <laughs> but what I'm trying to say here a little bit here is I think people haven't thought through, like, I think people mm -hmm. are very focused on the first order. It's like, how do I invest in a startup in generative AI? But I think... The second order, the third order, the fourth order, think about that, right? Society, what if everybody's best friend and teacher or counselor is AI? Mm. It's all a human being guided by AI. So that's that, right? In yeah. that world, what happens then? So what is truth? You know? So for example, I think I was thinking myself, like, you know, one startup that will definitely happen is what I call like a real humans campaign, right? It's like, it's going to be one of those like clubs, like, no phones, no AI, right? We we just sit in and and we drink alcohol like real humans do and do all the things that we can do, you know, uh, smoke cigarettes yeah. or play yeah. poker. Or that's got to be a real countercultural movement. I think it's going to happen. It's just like a real human, yeah. you know, moment, right? Or more nature or so, you know, stuff like that, yeah. right? I think that's what I think we're starting to see off and, you know, technology change, you know, it happens very slowly. It happens all at once, right? You know. It's gradual. Yeah. It's very gradual. I mean, like, come on, think about it. 1970s, 1980s, who was using the internet, right? Yeah, and suddenly true. now in 2020, all of us are like, bam. Heck, in America, it's like 2000 people already ordering stuff online, right? 2020, yeah, so you know, it's just like arising yeah. one day, right? It's just crazy, right? It's so, yeah. And it's only 50 years ago, right? It's not like super long. It's not like 120, like 300 years ago. It's 50 years ago. It's like 1980s, right? Yeah, I know. I, was, I remember I was, yeah. my favorite of YouTube clip is like, you know, there's like this guy interviewing Arthur C. Clarke, right? And, and the interviewer's son is in the room and they're inside a giant room. Mm -hmm. The entire room is a computer, right? <laughs> and so the interviewer was asking Arthur C. Clarke, right? He was like, hey, what do you think is going to happen in the future? This is all black and white. I think it was like, 1960s, right? You know, and he right. was like, yeah, he was like, 
Odyssey Cloud was like, well, one day, you know, this entire room computer is going to fit in a device in the in your son's hand. And the interviewer was like, what? <laughs> you know? And he's like, yeah, he's going to use it to talk to people around the world and conduct business and uh, make business arrangements. And then this little kid is like, I don't know, seven or eight years old, right? Totally clueless about conversation. He's like swiveling around in his chair. And I was just like watching this video and just laughing, right? Because... I mean, imagine watching this back then, you'll be like, oh, this other C Clark is a total bonkers guy for saying yeah. this stuff. And then now you look at it and I'm watching this on YouTube, right? Through this thing. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, it's going to happen, right? So think <laughs> about this, right? It's like, what bonkers stuff is going to happen in the next 50 years that you and I just think is stupid? I'm going to tell you this, like 3D augmented yeah. reality is going to happen, right? 100%. Is this, is this a 100% going to happen, right? Is this like, your devices, yeah. processing power is getting better. The space are getting better. 3D, what do you want to call it? AR, VR, this is going to get effectively, totally, 100% fidelity. I think mm. it's going to get there, very mm. close to it, right? Mm. That's one. Mm. Two is, I think, lifelike. I think we're going to see lifelike replicas or, in fact, auto-generated humans in terms of speech, yeah. language, body language, mannerisms. It's just going to happen. Wow. 100% going to happen. Think about it, right? 100% going to happen, right? Think about it. Yeah. Three is space. Are we going to have more stuff in space or less stuff in space? 100% we're going to have more stuff in space. And the truth is, we're just going to have much more, 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 more stuff. It's like everyone's like, wow, space is full of satellites. I'm like, no, no, no. There could be like so many more satellites. What's going to happen when the world is full of satellites, right? I think one day, we're going to find out there's a planet out there that can support human life. Yeah. It's just a matter of time, right? Because it's, it's oh. just a matter of processing power, <laughs> and looking for enough planets. I mean, statistics, right? Just go look at all the planets, whatever it is. I think in our lifetime, I think we're going to discover a planet uh, that yeah. basically yeah. says, everyone's going to be like, we, we probably think it's oxygen and water and could sustain human life. I think someone's going to say that. And I think for me, I think that's going to be interesting because I think the moment we know that there's something doable there, then humanity is, we love conquering new yeah. areas. <laughs> Just yeah. like we always explore and go yeah. out or whatever it is. 100% humanity is going to be like, oh, yeah. finally we have a place because nobody wants to go to space. There's nothing there. But you tell me, yeah. wait, there's real free real estate you know, yeah. there yeah. out there in the universe. 100% Stanford Raffles is going to be like, rise up from the grave and just be like, okay, let's need to set up a colony on that planet, right? So I just mean, we just yeah. need a direction to somewhere go to, right? So just think all this stuff is this for sure gonna happen. This is a matter right. of time, right? And just think agree. about it, right? You know? Agree. Oh, it's just crazy. Totally and now, agree. So to me, I think it's less about the first order effect of these individual technologies, but think about that. Is that. In that world, when all those things exist, what's gonna happen? It's the future, right? It's I mean, the future. Uh, it's the future. So let, let, let's see like in, in 20, 30, or even four years time, let's come back. <laughs> first yeah. to check in how, you know, how things on our, our side. The second is how is generative AI changing the world in the next 20, 30 years, exciting times. All right, to, to wrap up, yeah. right? What is one piece of advice, less than 10 words, you would like to give to our listeners here who are founders and not getting term sheets just to wrap us up with this episode? Wow, 10 words. Yes, it's 10 words. Diver building. It's All right, 20 words. 10 words. <laughs> 20. <laughs> Chat GPT, give me 10 words. There's like, like 128 <laughs> to, you know, uh, 250 to... <laughs> Now infinite characters, you are like a you know premium subscriber. Alright, let's just bright. Let's just bright. Hundred percent personalized. Hundred uh, percent. Okay, at least now you know as of this year, twenty twenty three. You know that Jeremy is totally personalized. Yes. He's not yes. like you know using my phone to auto generate something right now. That's right. You know, this, That's, right. Like, this That's right. pre eutrophication era. Yes. Fully authentic. Fully right. authentic. Hundred percent organic. Yes. Human raised. Uh, yeah. you know advice I'll just say uh, yeah you know we are human and um, we are in control of ourselves right um, mm. and only ourselves uh, what I mean by that is you know we are human right and I think the truth is you know we're not superhuman we want to be superhuman but we're not we're not AIs right. we're not companies we're not startups and what it means is we gotta sleep you know we gotta eat we gotta yep. be social We've got to take care of ourselves. We have hormones. We have, you know, circadian rhythms. And so it's not a mind over body, although it, we are yeah. gifted 
and blessed with a mind that lets us do, you know, human things, right? You know, but at the same point of time, we're, we're just human, right? And so that means, you know, we are jealous, we mm. get angry, we get sad, we get lonely, we get uh, hardworking, right? You know, we can do all those things. It's all within the human experience, right? We're just, we're human. Uh, and I think acknowledging that is step one. And two is, yeah, you know, we're in control of ourselves, right? Um, yeah. Which is that we do have agency, we can make decisions for ourselves, and we can only make decisions about ourselves. Mm. Because we can't change the world, uh, we can't change the news, we can't change other, we can't change other people, which is I think a big learning point. Uh, we can only say what we want to say, for example, um, to other people and, and it's for them, other people to change if they want to change, right? So I think that's at the end of the day, yeah, you know, we're yeah. just human. Good. We are Good in one. charge of ourselves and only Good. ourselves. Oh wait, it's 10, it's 10 words. Oh my gosh! Oh, got it. Yeah, <laughs> we're human. We are not robots, right? Okay, yeah, okay. This human can do less we, than ten words. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we can control ourselves. It's not like we are controlled by you know an engineer coding a prompt engineering thing, which is the new new in thing. Um. Yeah. So yeah, I think that's a that is a wrap, Jeremy. I think it's it's a, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure yeah. to have you share with us. Um, your story, being personal, and it's a, it's a, it's a pleasure having you to share, uh, your insights as well. Yeah, uh, just to wrap up as well, one more question for Jeremy. Where do we find you? Where do we connect with you and know more about you? Yeah, so go to www.bravesea.com and basically it's a podcasting community where we cover resources for founders, aspiring founders, VCs and operators uh, to basically think about the future of Southeast Asia tech, but also have a no BS view about what the current reality of the world is with a deep sense of optimism, I guess, uh, about building the future and making it, it happens and does transform the lives of millions of people. So we have transcript podcasts, we have podcasts, we have discussion groups. And so those are great opportunities for us to learn from each other and also help each other build. Awesome. Thank you, Jeremy. Your awesome. Time. See you around. Thank you for tuning in to Your Grid Story Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, Please share it with your friends. Chase your dreams, live out your passion, and discover your great story.